Of the Home Life Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm JH. I'm Sian. And uh, it's time. It's it's January 2nd, so it's time for our bold prediction show for the year ahead and what's going to happen in the Australian real estate market. Sian's just looking at me going, why are we even uh, look, doing this? Look, he, he said to me, I, I was like, what do you mean, what are our predictions? And he's like, well... No, you asked me what are our predictions. I said, well, well you got to come up with some. Yeah, exactly. Got well, to come what do you up. think? And like, what like, do you think well, is going to happen? Yeah, it, and the same shit show that is still continuing. Well, that, and that's our show for today, folks. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're going to be back next week with the Sunshine Hour. Yeah. Uh, no. Look, I think, I think there's a lot more nuance that we can discuss about that. And uh, I actually, I disagree with you. I think, I think... Things are going to start to turn around. As far as I'm concerned, until I start to see actual changes, instead of just a whole heap of policies and motions and blah, 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 until things are actually happening where I can say that is a new house that has been built and there is people there that are like it's starting to alleviate until that has happened then it's just going to be the same stuff, just a different day. I get it. I get it. Because at the like, we've addressed it. Supply and demand. Like, yes, they've got different policies that are coming in, but they're policies. It could still take another four years before they decide to action any of those policies or that it even comes close to actioning those policies which means that we're going to be four years further down this track. Yeah, look, I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from, but we have a number of state elections coming up over the next couple of years. Uh, in fact, I think that in Queensland, we've got a 2024 state election and we've heard it direct from the CEO of the REIQ's mouth herself. She sat there and said, this is an election issue. You know, oh, yeah, both, both sides of politics need... Now, interestingly, in Queensland... Our premier's just stood down. And Anastasia Palaszczuk has retired from politics altogether and has, you know, her, her replacements or whoever the replacement is at this point, um, no one really knows. No one really cares. I think no it no says one who their name it, is. I, yeah, um, I think it says a lot if you can stand there and go, go who? Exactly. Uh, but what that means is this is – because the Liberal Party in Queensland, no one knows who they are, really. Like unless you're in a circle, no one no one can really name who they are. Um, I can't even say that I and I'm normally really good with faces. I can't even say that I even know what they look. But a lot of the people I go and talk to who are in the know, who are real estate experts, they don't even really know. There's no connection because their their marketing is terrible, their voice is terrible, and so forth. And my my point, the reason I'm bringing that up, is what that means is in Queensland we may actually have an election campaign that's debated on the issues because the issues. When when you have people where yeah, they're not, not particularly well known, and it's not about it's not about politics so much. Whether they're so a much. nice person or not, it's more about what are you bringing to the table. And and that's it. So we may see see and you know this this could be my first bold prediction to fall over because I'm saying we might see politicians compete for an election on policy as opposed to attack uh, and and denigration. So look, 
it'll be interesting to see, but housing is going to be a monumental issue. Oh, as uh, it in Queensland. Be. It shouldn't just be um, in Queensland. It should be everywhere. It, it should be everywhere. Look, there's a Victorian election coming up, I think, in 2025. That's ACT. Dan, Dan's gone by. Dan, Dan stood down. Um, you know, so there's there's a number of elections over the next two to three years. And, and what the reason I'm mentioning that two to three year window is because now is the time that policies and legislation get changed in order to be able to crow about it at that next election. And with housing being an issue and a big issue across the country, I think we're going to see a number of policies and legislations being trying to be pushed through because it gives them a platform for re-election. And I, that, so I, I think we're actually going to see some changes. And I've got... I hope that the changes don't happen where they promise it and then go, that's not what I said. Oh, look, that's going to happen during the election campaign. But I'm, I'm talking about the things that they want to bank on, yeah. like they want to put in the bank. Um, so I'm, look, I'm, I'm expecting, and look, with the federal government, this federal government has actually started to address the demand issue and the supply issue. They've, more than what any other, from yes. memory, from my own memory. More than what any other has. Like, and, and I get people go, but what about first home buyer grants? First home buyer grants were meant to address the supply issue. They exacerbated the demand issue. Because the, what did address the supply issue, if we want to go back to when first home buyer grants were first coming out, there was actually a two-pronged attack. Whether it was intentional or not, I'll be honest, I was too young to, to be able to tell with any... Oh, any yeah. Young you know, little whippersnapper. Uh, great sort of authority. But they went first home by a grant to stimulate the building and construction industry and so forth, which it did. It absolutely did. But at the same time, they were pushing for apprenticeships and traineeships. Yes, and of which they aren't really They're not really doing, doing right now. It's more focused on innovation and technology. Absolutely, and STEM, which yeah. fair enough, we need both. Um but because it was a two-pronged attack back then, it worked quite well. Yeah. Because the first home buyer grant was going to always increase demand. Yeah. But at the same time, they addressed supply. We're not seeing that right now. So those those policies that have targeted the first home buyer grant, they haven't addressed the supply issue. And the working like we can do something with the supply issue if we can get more workers, more people building houses. Mm. We still need to get more materials, but that can be well, addressed. Well, that is also when, you know, I think people or politicians really need to start looking at other avenues of which people can build. So, you know, like the, the 3D printing, for example, like really start to push that, especially if it does put down the, the cost of uh, the houses to begin with. Like, wasn't it something like 70% or something it was like seven, that? Seven, yeah, 70% less cost in, in 3D printing a home. And I think we are going to see more of those innovative type things get a little bit more, yeah. uh, a little bit more roadway, if you will, a little bit more momentum. Coming back to the government, what I'm very cautiously, 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 cautiously optimistic about is we've seen them attempt to address foreign investment very small portion of the market, 2.54% of properties in Australia, residential properties are owned by foreign investors, right? So they're addressing some, but it alleviates demand. Mm. It may not increase supply in any worthwhile numbers. It may be a drop in the ocean, but, 
but at the same time, it's alleviating demand and it may have a greater effect on alleviating demand than what it does on increasing supply. So that's a little bit of help. It is a positive step. It's not enough and it's not enough by itself, but it's a positive step. They are looking at like they've got government policies where government are turning around and going, hey, we need to build more houses. We're going to incentivize to build more houses. Right thinking. But they don't have the Execution, to- not quite there. But there was something you talked to me about that flagged my interest because it's something that has been close to my heart and I've you and I have had many a discussion on and I've jumped up on a soapbox about when we've, you know, on road trips and that because I, I did it in a different area. I looked at it from a business point of view and uh, really turning Australia into an innovation hub, right? I looked at it and, and my whole pitch was why doesn't Australia turn around to like these big businesses that are in, um, you know, in, in electric cars, solar, all this sort of stuff and say, we'll give you the land. You give us a piece of your company and a piece of the profit share. We'll give you the land. You build the factories, you hire local people and the land's going to cost you nothing except for that piece, right? So if you don't make money, we don't make money. If you make money, we make money. And that way we turn Australia with all this land into an innovation hub, right? And we create jobs and we create... Because we need to move away from the traditional... It's not that we need to move away. We are moving away from the traditional kind of industries that Australia has been in. Um, and, and a lot of them are nowhere near as profitable as what they once were. Well, I mean, look at the coal industry. That's, that's, that's a classic yeah. one. So coming back to that and applying that same thinking to or similar thinking to the housing crisis and the residential problem. There was a council in Victoria that you raised. You, you shared the article with. Yes. Uh, I think it was the Pyrenees Council or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, sort of, they're about 50K, excuse me, 50K west of Ballarat. And they decided to develop, like they tried to get developers in to build a subdivision and that because they didn't have enough houses yeah, for the their population. Land. They had the land, didn't have it. Developers weren't interested so they went and developed it themselves and sold the property. So they've sold, I think, 107 properties, I think you said. Yeah, something right? like 100 properties were part of that first. Yeah. And then they've gone and located a second uh, parcel or, or parcels of land as well and um, now have small investment um, for, you know, well, not small investment, small in time investors who are looking to I I reckon it's that they're dipping their toe in to see as to how lucrative this could be for them look it, and and what we were reading is that there's a lot of other councils that are now looking at that yeah they're looking at it going yeah. hold on if we've got access to land so and we you know like they say you need to build it so that they can come build it and they will come and, and, and this is this is a question you and I have asked many times. Why doesn't the government just become the largest developer? Yeah, and and because they could they they've got the land. Well, these are local and they've got the dollars and these it. exactly. And looking at that, I think that because now the cherry's being popped, yeah. right? Everyone's scared to be first. Yeah, because there's a lot of risks in being a pioneer. Like remember, the vast majority of pioneers on the on the Oregon Trail died, right? Yeah, like it, there is a huge amount of danger being a pioneer. But once somebody does it. And does it successfully? Well, especially since these guys Everybody are, copies. Like, I think it was 
was only a small population. Yeah. And, you know, even though in this particular town there was a hospital, there was a primary school, there That's was right, a high they, school. The, the population was, was declining, cafe- so they built the yeah, houses for people to attract there people. There was, yeah. um, you know, like cafes and a shopping um, centre. And so it wasn't like it was literally a one petrol station kind of, yeah, you know, little township. Um, but it was just the fact of because of their population population starting to dwindle, that's when they were like, we need to do something. We know if we build houses, people will move here. You need Particularly the being they had that train line that went straight who, into the heart of Melbourne. Who'd have thought that if you've got the supply, people will then want to demand more. Well, people, particularly who, where people, who'd have thought? like people, and and I think too in Melbourne and Sydney, you know, a, a, an hour to ninety minute commute is probably not unusual. Yeah, right. I know. I uh, know people that, transport. I know people who had lived on Phillip Island. Yeah, and were working in the so, CBD. So it's a two hour <laughs> like train ride in from this place. Yeah, every day, and the train runs multiple times a day, and things. So you look at that and you go, it kind of. It, it, it makes sense, yeah. particularly if everything's priced right. But I think that there's going to be a lot of councils that look at that. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of local governments. There's going to be potentially even state governments who look at that and go, well, if they can do that, why yeah. can't we? Why don't we become, instead of, you know, why don't we just become the developer? Yeah. Now, they've also got all of the infrastructure to turn around and then start increasing apprenticeships and start pump like all of this. They've also got the infrastructure and the financing capability to actually offer finance and to help people who may, may be low income mm. to move into houses and things like that as well with finance and LMI well, or like the, the, the 2% grant the NRAS, or the 2% deposit The NRAS offer. stuff, that is actually the federal government, not state governments. Exactly. If state governments actually stepped in, if... If local governments can do this, I'm pretty damn sure the oh. state governments would be able to do but the now, same. But now that the ice has been broken, now it's been done, mm. I think we're going to see, and, and this will be my prediction for 2024, I think we're going to see the needle move on that kind of thinking across levels, different levels of government. Mm. And if not execution, at least plans starting to be discussed and put into play. Yeah, um, They don't move quickly, but I think that, we're, we're going to see that. So I actually think that 2024 is going to be the... Year the, of change? The pebble down the mountain. So you know, the, the, you stand at the top of the mountain, snowy yeah. mountain, you throw a pebble down, and by the time it gets to the bottom, it's an avalanche. I think 2024 is going to be the pebble. And it's going to start us rolling down the mountain to fix this problem. Yeah. I... I I hope so. I hope the momentum stays. I hope that it's yep. not a we've got in, so now we're going to change things and not necessarily like we said that we would do something about housing, but at the same time we haven't. No matter which way you look at it, housing is a massive source of revenue for local, state, government and it potentially is, even federal. but they and haven't taken it seriously. They, they haven't it, taken it seriously because, look, one, my experience with government, once it happens and they see the money land in their coffers, they will do anything possible to keep that money coming in. But getting them to make that move is like trying to move a mountain. Mm. It's only once the mountain moves that it keeps on moving and it builds momentum. So 
I'm hoping that we are going to see that mountain move. Like, you know, I'm mixing metaphors, but essentially we, we see the first steps that are going to lead to that momentum in 2024. I think that, you know, the policies that are starting to be pushed forward in government and things like that, we're starting to see some stuff. And it's small fry right now. Like dealing foreign investors who own maximum 4%, who last, like in 2020 to 2021, did 5,310 transactions. Mm. I'm sorry, like in a year where we did 588,000 overall. Yeah. It's not going to move the needle enough. No. But it is a step in the right direction. So I think that 2024, we will not see an easing of rental prices. We will not see an easing of housing prices. What we will see is the early steps towards momentum to solving the housing crisis. I think it's going to be five to 10 before we genuinely can turn around and go, hey, it's solved or it's it's almost solved. Um, but that brings up an interesting question that we should definitely consider. What happens if we stabilize the housing market? You mean that everyone has a home to live in? That supply meets demand. Capital growth will drop off. And we'll slow down. It won't drop off. It'll slow okay. down. Hold on. Let's go back to your whole gaming theory that you have. If you have happy people, they within within the gaming environment, the game environment. If they're happy, and Sims touches on this quite well, <laughs> where they're happy, they're going to end up having children. Those children are going to have to live somewhere. So if you've got a happy society, a happy society is going to live to their expectations for in you know population to keep on going. There's an interesting point on that. A number of scientific studies show the more wealthy um, and satisfied a couple are, the less likely they are to have children in uh, Western Western countries. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I, f- I feel there will always be people. It's exactly the same as one thing that I learned when I was working in, um, in wedding dresses, right? One thing, it does not matter. does not matter the, the um, financial environment of society as a whole, right? People are still going to get married. People are still going to die. You're still going to have to pay taxes and there will still be births. Yeah, but it's right, – okay, so right now in Australia <laughs> – It may not speed things up, but is that not when the government would turn around and go immigration? Well, that's what they're doing right now. So and No, they've slowed it. They're slowing it. No, they're not. We had this conversation only the other day. You said that they're going to be slowing it in order to help alleviate that. We had a whole conversation about that's, it. Yeah, yeah that, that's what they've said. They haven't adjusted their target. The target's still 600,000, 700,000. Okay, well, even still. So, but I, I get what you're saying. So where we are right now in Australia, in order for a native population, by native I mean as in Australians, whether First Nations, whether, yep, 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 yep. you know, second, get it. the population that was born here, mm. right? In order for that population to maintain, just maintain its numbers, there needs to be a birth rate of 2.1 children Per couple. Right now in Australia, and it has been this way for a number of, of years, it's 1.6. Yeah. So the native population, and again, I stress what I mean by native, is that the, the population born here, the naturalized Australians, the population of naturalized Australians 
at the rate it's going, is going to be largely replaced by immigration and immigrants who come and, and have families here and so forth um, within we a very short period of time. A lot of the time turning into natural residents as yes, well. Yes. But the cultural, so the cultural base of Australians as it is today is not going to exist in 50, 60 years, 70 years' time. Yeah. Right? Because, <laughs> so, but my, my point is to that, that's largely Western culture, right? The Western portion of Australian mm. citizens. I, I'm yeah, trying, we yeah. get what you're trying to say. <laughs> yep. Not going to exist because we're not reproducing at a rate that is sustainable for our population. So on that, and that's what I mean, that, it comes back to that. So the number of studies that have said the happier they are, the wealthier they are, the less kids they have. Right. But that's that's making the assumption that they're going to be wealthier. That's like you have a look. Our our um, lowest income bracket hasn't actually progressed fast enough in order to keep up with housing prices. So you can't tell me that every single person is going to be able to afford a home or to have kids. Well, yeah. So either way, either way. No matter which side of the argument we're on here, the population is going to be in decline. It's going to need to be propped up by immigration. Well, yeah, and quite honestly, that's always been the case. If you go and have a look in it Australian has. history, it has that there has always been. It's not. It there, hasn't, there was no. There was a time we've always needed more people than what we've had, but there was a time where we were producing more babies, and we've got. That's we've now we got, didn't have TVs. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that's it, right? And and there was a lot of Catholicism, Catholicism running around. Um, but yeah, look, it's what it what it means. If we stabilize the the demand and supply, whether people have more babies or not is actually really super relevant. Because if we stabilize housing supply, and let's say that that leads to people feeling more content, and they do have more babies, they're more comfortable to bring people like bring babies into the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so as Australians collectively, regardless of you know, original or place of origin, culture or none of that. Regardless, you're an Australian, you start pumping out more babies because mm. you're happier. Let's let's just assume that. Well, that's the reason why they started the whole baby what, bonus. Yep, absolutely. What will happen or is likely to happen in my opinion is we will have a plateau in the market where it will have minimal increases and decreases. It will only increase at the rate of inflation, mm-hmm. right? For approximately 20 years, if not 30 so pretty much a whole generation. An entire generation until those children are now old enough to buy houses and then we'll see the increase in demand again. And we will end up coming back around a little bit. I don't think we'll ever end up in a, as bad a spot as what we are now unless there's an insane population boom. But we will end up in or a spot where there's... not doing their yeah, job. Yeah, there's that. With greater demand than supply. And... But that'll be, we'll have a plateau. So the capital growth and the investment value of Australian property, and this will reduce demand as well, will actually drop out of the market for potentially an entire generation. And just so that if you're tuning in now, we're not talking that this is going to be happening exclusively in 2024. <laughs> no, this is like 20, 2024 is, is the steps when towards momentum. Be no more babies made. <laughs> no. Is, is the steps towards momentum that leads to stabilization of the housing market. Yeah. Um, and 
look, maybe they don't go far enough. Maybe the momentum doesn't get there and we never fully stabilize, but we just get back to the normal housing cycle that we used to have where we had a 10-year cycle where it was boom, plateau, you know bust, climb, it, boom. If there I mean, it was is, never a bust. I mean, but, if there is ever a time where there is too much supply, right, it will come down to where people want to live. Look, I think if ever there is a time where there's too much supply um, – it will be a demand immigration. Of, immigration will solve that issue. It would di- be the demand of the places where is high density. Yeah. So yeah. even even if we were to have it where you know, let's say, um, let's go Boona, right? Yeah. Where people are like, yep, they they've built that up. They've got uh, it's pretty much like what Springfield is now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, master plan city. Yeah, I, I think we're going to. I think we're going to over the next um, ten years see a lot more in master it, plan cities. If we've got stupid amount of houses out there, people may look at it and go, "No, I need to work closer to Ipswich." And Ipswich is a lot bigger, um, a lot more established. So therefore, people will be no. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be. So, there. so there'll be so, so there'll be metropolitan pressure. Yes, yep. that's where I feel that it would be if there's going to be anything. But and that'll like the stabilization. We'll see cycles like a cyclical nature where people move towards the city. They move out because it gets unaffordable again, and we'll see that kind of pendulum swing. Mm. Um, again, think, not happening exclusively in 2024. No, no, this is we're talking 2024. The steps towards he, that. So he's doing a prediction for the next 40 years. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think I think 2024 is the tipping point. Like I think I think we are actually going to see policies put in place. I think we're going to see um, some action taken in 2024 and in 2025 that is going to lead towards solving the housing crisis. And you know, in, in five, ten years from now, it's going to lead to stabilizing the housing market as a whole. And you know, the the opportunity is there. The possibility is there. If we don't take it. Well, we've all got to decide individually what that means about our politicians and and our leadership. Uh, you know, maybe they maybe maybe that's not in the best interest of the economy because a housing market that is profitable and and is speculative uh, has a flow on effect elsewhere. Houses changing hands in Queensland alone was worth twelve billion dollars in stamp duty to the government, the state government last year. It's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, but. In 2032, we've also got games coming. Yeah, so and look, I don't, I don't think we're going to be stabilized in 2032. You think? But I think, I think that you know, 2035 to 2040, there's a chance. Mm. But I think we take, we, I think we take steps towards it that actually improve housing affordability in 2024. And yeah. I think I think the benefits of that we start to see from about 20 late 2025 2026 onwards. Yeah. Um you know by no means is that me saying get out of the housing market. I think that the opportunity will be people will still need houses. Immig- Australia will always need immigration. Always keep in mind that we have the 55th largest population in the world, but we have the 7th largest landmass. We have so many resources and so much land to do things with uh, and, and to operate on the world stage. We don't have enough people to actually take advantage of that. So I think that immigration is absolutely going to be something that is seen as a solution to our aging population because we have an aging pop- population. 
we're, we're in deep trouble for in terms of a workforce. It's one of the reasons government has sat there and said, hey, maybe we should extend the retirement age to 70. That's what it's, By the time that it, we get to retirement age... There's going to be no retirement age. There's going to be no retirement no. age. But, and, and look, you, that's fine. I've, be, I've been at peace you, for a long time that I'm never retiring. You can be dead and that's when you can retire. Yeah. But, but, You'd be dead for 20 years and then we'll allow yeah. you to retire. But this is, this is the reason they brought in the baby bonus originally, right? Yeah, it was and, to prop it all up. It was to prop it all up because a, a social demographer from I think it was who or someone like that, like World Health Organization came in or the UN or something came into Australia and did a study and went, you guys are going to be in trouble in 20 years' time <laughs> because your population is aging and you are not going to have the labor force, which is going to harm taxes, it's going to harm the whole economy, the whole works. And the government went, oh, shit, we got to do something about this. Let's pay people to have babies. Yeah. Right? And simultaneously... But it was they- the same thing with the um, first home buyers as yeah. well. They, they brought that in. That was that was to help so, first home buyers get into the market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we we do have we've got an aging population. Immigration is needed in order to shore up our labour force and to ensure that we can keep working because otherwise the wheels are going to fall off. Yeah. L- love them or hate them, the minute boomers drop dead, we're all in trouble. Gen Xs too, because there were more. There were a lot of Gen Xs. There are a lot of boomers. Not so many millennials. And Which millennials is funny have had I'm less. Fall, so. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but but millennials had less. Yeah, have have had less children and so forth. So, it's we have an aging population, and that's going to create a massive issue. Um, which, by the way, if we don't do anything about it and we don't push immigration, it's going to solve the housing crisis. <laughs> there will be less demand, um, but there'll also be less work. This is true. So yeah, it's. It is a mess of a situation, and I am definitely not an economist. Anyone listening in is who is is going, "Oh my god, what the hell!" But in, in a <laughs> you simplicity, you guys have got it so wrong. In, in, or you never know; they may be going about time that someone's talking what? about this. Who knows? We but may just have stumbled to, to upon me, a golden nugget here. Right look, here. for me, it just seems logical. And and when you look at the patterns, governments are doing something about it. We've criticised... Yeah, 20 years too late. It's 20 years too late. We've criticised them for being 20 years, 20 years too late. And we've criticised them for not doing enough. Mm. We've criticised them that things like the Airbnb tax is not going to result in the, uh, the the flood of properties onto the market that they're promising, mm. right? I'm not saying the Airbnb tax is a bad thing. Mm. It will impact tourism. There will be some pros and cons. There'll be some negatives. There'll be some positives. But it's not going to solve the housing crisis. No. Um, targeting foreign investors. It's not going to solve the housing crisis. It's going no, to it alleviate to, demand, though. It has some. to do here. It's not about going, oh, if we take here and we put it there and we take from here and we put it there, then, oh, look, we've got yeah. more house. It does not work that way. No. We actually need We need more to build more houses. Houses. And these, these are stopgap little solutions. But for the first time in a very, very long time, Unless they're We're doing We're seeing it. policy address demand yes. as well as supply. Yes. And as, as we said at the top of this this podcast, we haven't seen that since... Well, you've said that I've just agreed with you. Yeah, but since since the first home buyer grant came in and they were pushing for apprentices at the same time. Mm. Um, but the first home buyer grant was increasing demand just to you know push the construction industry and prop them up. But at the same time, they looked at how to actually produce more apprentices... Uh, and and um, tradies so that they could actually meet the demand. Yeah. Again, there's the hints, there's the early movements, 
that government across this country, both individual like isolated councils, some state governments, and even potentially federal, are starting to look at both sides of the equation. And so that's that is like we've we've covered a they're, lot, they're but that doing, is my prediction they're doing for long term vision as opposed to short term vision, a, which they're actually very known to do. Yeah, and addressing the whole problem mm. as opposed to just one little part that makes for a good headline. They're still chasing the headlines. That's what politicians are going to do. I think in twenty twenty four we're going to see more policy that addresses both sides of the equation, mm. and that is that is my bold prediction that we are absolutely going to. Take the, the first steps that lead to momentum and potentially lead to a more stabilised housing market. Mm. Well, there you go. You've heard it here first. Let's see how 2024 20, goes. Yep. No one, no one bet the house on that. I hope not. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and on that note, peace out.